but ultimately it's this ability to simulate and use all these tools to look at concepts or products before you actually design and build them. On behalf of the members of the Connecticut Academy of Science and Engineering, welcome to this episode of Learning and Living STEM in Connecticut, the podcast of the Connecticut Academy of Science and Engineering. My name is Tan Dillion, and I'm an elected member of the Academy and serve on its governing council. For more information about the Academy, visit ctcase.org. That's www.ctcase.org. I'm pleased to have as our guest, Mike Ambrose, case member and recently retired Vice President of Enterprise Business Transformation at Sikorsky, a Lockheed Martin company. We'll be talking about his experiences in digital transformation. Welcome, Mike. Hi, Tan. It's really, really an honor to be here with you. I look forward to this discussion. Yeah, Mike, really thank you for uh, taking the time uh, to do this with us and uh, to share your experiences. Uh, just to, to give our uh, audience just a bit uh, about yourself, uh, could you just let us know uh, just a bit about yourself, please? Oh, of course. So as you said, recently retired, um, almost 39 years, my entire career at Sikorsky Aircraft. And uh, just an amazing career. I mean, you, you mentioned my last assignment was being in charge of enterprise business transformation, and that's what we're going to kind of talk about. Um, but it took really 38 years to get there. Prior to that, uh, I was the chief engineer and vice president of engineering and technology at Sikorsky for a number of years. And um, I had worked in operations as a general manager. I had worked in international government programs, started my career as an engineer. I'm a local guy. Um, I grew up in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Um, pretty humble beginnings, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. Um, went to the University of New Haven, uh, where I ran track, went on a track scholarship, and also got my engineering degree, and uh, also got my master's uh, of science in system engineering from, from MIT. Uh, so that's my background in 30 seconds, <laughs> but there's a lot in there. Yeah, no, thanks, Mike. So, so speaking of humble beginnings, can you can you uh, give our uh, listeners just a bit about uh, the the inspiration and why you decided to become an engineer? Sure, uh, I think it's a it's a really good story. Sure, sure. Um, you know, it, it it's a probably it's a testimony to our teachers and guidance counselors and and really understanding students in ways that um, we don't understand ourselves. Um, so when I was in high school, I went to high school at Bridgeport Central, um, I was a runner and I was uh, I was even the state champion in the mile in uh, class double L. This was back in the 1970s. So um, senior year, um, I'm looking forward to graduating. I was going to be a runner. Um, back then, there weren't um, there weren't all the focus on college athletics that there is today. Um, I was going to be the first male in my family to graduate from high school, so that was a big honor. Um, I was getting track scholarships, 
but I didn't pay any attention to him because I was going to be a runner. So guidance counselor called me into his office one day in the fall of my senior year and said, um, how come you're ignoring all these track scholarships? Uh, and, and I said, well, I'm going to be a runner. Why do I need to pay attention to, to them? And he goes, uh, he literally said to me, he says, you're not going to make any money from that. Again, 1970s track was all amateur athletes. And, um, and he said, what else are you good at? And I said, well, I, I like to draw. Hey, looks, you're not going to make any money off of that either. Um, he says, what, what, what else? Uh, like, what, what, you know, like, you know, science or English. And I said, well, I, I'm pretty good at math. Um, now that's relative. Um, you know, I showed up for class. So he said, okay, you're good at math. You like to draw, you're going to be an engineer. I had no idea what an engineer was again, much different 1970s than it is in 2023. Um, so I, my only response was, can I still run? And um, so what ended up happening is, is that I found out that, wow, I really like this math. And I, you know, I had tutors and people just helping me. And I found out very quickly that uh, I'm pretty good at this. Um, but I also realized is that I wasn't going to be able to run track at a collegiate level. Um, so I ended up actually taking a year to be able to adjust to both being a good engineering student and getting ready to run collegiate sports. And so the University of New Haven provided me with that opportunity to do both. And um, the rest has been an amazing journey. Yeah, I mean, uh, collegiate athletes are, uh, you know, people people don't realize the amount of effort it takes to be an athlete and also, you know, be a, a, a be, and, and be a scholar athlete, I should say. Yeah, right. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, be a scholar and an athlete. It, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of discipline and, and a lot of dedication. So so kudos to you uh, for uh, for being able to do both, because I know a lot of people uh, aren't able to do to, to go that path. But uh, but from that perspective, let's let's try to let's jump into some uh, some of the discussion for the topic today. So so can you just help us understand what is digital transformation or or DX? Is that is that the acronym? Yeah, and and we'll use DX, but uh, you know digital transformation, and um, you know it, it really has a lot of meanings. If you were to Google it, you'd probably get like you know, 300 million different <laughs> interpretations of, of what it is, not kidding. Um, but, but in the end, it, it's really about, you know, creating and revising, improving processes using digital tools, um, you know, really to achieve some customer goal better than, um, than if you were to do it using manual type processes at a really high level. Um, now, there's a lot in that in terms of when you talk about digital transformation, um, I usually tell people says, before you can even start talking about digital transformation, you need to understand the digital thread. And that's a new term. And to understand the digital thread, you need to understand the product or the process. And so to help our discussion today, I've actually brought a show and tell. Um, ah, so, okay. so I brought a show and tell. Um, so for, like for, the, for the five or six year olds out there, um, I think you'll recognize this. This is a toaster. Um, we should all be familiar with toasters. And I'm going to use this. I'll put this over here so we can explain. To be able to articulate what is a digital thread? What is the process that a product has to go through from the conception of a need all the way to it's being used by a customer and you have to maintain it and it has a life to it. 
And so the reason why that's important from a digital thread is because of all the interfaces along the way. And for everyone out there to think about that as data. Um, now in the past, that would have been manual, that would have been drawings, that would have been calculations, that would have been you know, pieces of paper, um, feedback from customers. But more and more, when we talk about digital transformation and digital thread, all of that information, which we now call data, is an opportunity to have transformation, to be able to do it more efficiently, more smarter, cheaper, better, um, more sustainable, you know, be able to last longer. That's the essence of what a digital thread is that ultimately leads to how do you take that information and then be able to be able to make it better. So if we start with a toaster, okay. so toaster, it does one thing, really. Um, it heats bread and bread in yes. many different forms. Um, and basically what you see here was invented, initially it was invented in the 1890, yeah, 1890s and back then it was just, it would, it would heat up one side of the bread, then you flip it over. But in 1921 came the patent that essentially is this model. Now there's been a lot okay. of bells and whistles since then, but essentially what a toaster does is it use infrared heating to go and heat the bread up and it heats it up to like over 300 degrees Fahrenheit. And the coils that run through it actually are, the electric current is over a thousand, it's actually over 1100 degrees. So, but that's the oh, wow. principle of a toaster. And it's a really, it's an elegant electromechanical for most of those last hundred years where you've got okay. pop-up springs, you've got electric coils. Um, you've, you know, originally it had some sort of timer um, that was, tied to probably, um, you know, Wonder Bread, who knows back then, but, you know, since then, there's been a lot of other different kinds of breads, including gluten-free and bagels and waffles and you name it. Um, and so, you know, having that timer got a little more complicated. So many of the modern toasters actually have things like photocells to measure the light on the bread. Um, and so as you start to think about all that and you look at, you know, and why am I using a toaster instead of the helicopter? Um, because sure. if you think of a toaster and, and you start to go through it, well, what's so hard about this? Yeah. And you start to talk about the process on what it takes to go from a customer need to requirements, to design, to build, to test, to certifying, to make sure that it doesn't burn and it meets safety requirements, to being able to go and put it out to customers, uh, and then ultimately to make sure that you understand the reliability and how long it lasts. That is the process product flow from the beginning okay. of a product idea all the way to you throw it in the garbage at some point or you recycle it. And so as you go through all those, you look at a toaster, it says, well, it doesn't look so complicated. It does one thing. There are literally yeah tens of thousands of interfaces and i just described some of them in terms of the interface between the spring and the toast and the different kinds of bread and you know the buttons and you know the the dials you know in terms of the amount of current that goes through there there's materials that have to last there's a cost associated with this so in the past it would be all metal now today sure. thermoplastic in some cases on the outside but you have to understand sure. the temperature variations 300 degrees is pretty hot on the inside of here. And so you start to pull on all that information, that data, and you say, wow, you know, today more and more that 
information is data that is electronically yeah. stored. And so here's where we really start to get into the digital thread and understanding how DX or digital transformation plays a role, even as simple as something like the toaster. And we'll talk about helicopters and ships and planes and you know towards the end on how it is orders and orders of magnitude more opportunity and sophisticated. But what ends up happening is, is today, the more you have electronic data, you're able to connect that information. And ultimately what we're attempting to do, whether it be a helicopter, ship, airplane, toaster, whatever, is to derive that data into a single, what we would call digital warehouse, somewhere, you know, hard drive, computer, whatever it may be, that okay. enables us to have what we term in the industry as a single source of the truth. Very important single concept. Single source of the truth. Yeah. What, what, is, what does that mean? Single source of the truth. Yeah. So that means that all that information that describes that product or that process okay. is connected, is connected and stored. So when you have that single source of the truth, whether you're using that information to design, then you could use it to build and test. It allows you to do it concurrent. You do, do it at the same time. You, you okay. know, so you can you can do things at the same time. You can simulate things. Okay. You can iterate or repeat designs and concepts very quickly, see how it behaves in the field, see how it fails, you know, maybe like in the case of a toaster, what does it take to go and like overheat it? Um, and you can do all those things in a virtual environment before you even build or design anything. So by having that single source of the truth, huh. you're able to look at the entire product. So, so if the, so the single source of the truth, I, I, I understand that, that uh, concept. So you, how do you validate that that single source of the truth is the truth and maintains that truthfulness because I mean, once you're connected, especially in today's age with you know cyber and everything, uh, you could potentially compromise that. So uh, is that is that am I on? Oh, absolutely! On oh my that? gosh, that oh. that is actually a really really and, and it's one of those foundational things. Is like, how do I believe it? How do I know it's true? Um, and so what we do in industry um, and anyone who does anything with digital thread, digital transformation, has to correlate information to real testing. So ultimately you need to validate it. You need to prove it. Um, you know, digital information is interesting, but in the end it has to be based on some sort of reality. Um, and so ultimately what needs to happen is, is that you're going to correlate your simulations with actual testing. And so at the beginning, you're not able to really separate yourself entirely from the physical world. Now, what happens over time as you build that database of actual information, you're able to then go and start to extrapolate or interpolate, actually you start with interpolating, which means that within the data set that you have, you can try points of the design or points of the manufacturing or points of you know any particular aspect of that product lifecycle. And you'll be able to test it because you can correlate it, compare it to actual test data. What happens over time, and this is like the really exciting part, is now 
as with the advantage of, or, or the advancement of things like machine learning and artificial intelligence, you're able to go and start making guesses, educated guesses or educated analysis on what happens if I now go and extend my design or extend my capabilities beyond what I have actual test data for. Now, eventually you're gonna need to go and validate that, but you can get ahead of the design by making those kind of predictions based on the way you're seeing, and this goes back to maybe high school level um, type of mathematics in terms of how you're seeing that curve project and will the design or will the characteristics based on physics, mostly physics, chemistry, biology type things, will it continue to go and project along that curve or based on our knowledge of physics, biology, chemistry type things, will it deviate? And so that's one of the amazing things of digital tools where think about all the digital tools that I mentioned. I mentioned things like computer-aided design, computer-aided manufacturing. Um, we talk about predictive analytics, prescriptive analytics. We talk about machine learning. We talk about artificial intelligence. And now- all, Additive, additive manufacturing added to, to help. part of that? Yes, it is, yeah. Yeah, in okay. terms of computer-aided design and manufacturing. And so you start to put all these together, but ultimately it's this ability to simulate and use all these tools to look at concepts or products before you actually design and build them. There's another concept that, that is important, Tan, and that is, um, I call, we call it X before UX. Okay. Okay. And so can you, can, can you, can you expound upon that? Cause it, it sounds, I think I have an idea of what it means, but I just, I, I want, I would prefer if it, if you, if you just kind of elaborated a bit, please. Sure. Sure. And um, so when you talk about all these things that are connected and you talk about the single source of the truth and you talk about being able to go and do simulations, um, one of the first things that a company or industry will do is as they start to connect the digital thread, as they start to get pieces of this data and show its correlation, is that they realize is that they can start to simulate design, simulate how things are gonna be manufactured, made, how they're gonna be assembled, how they're gonna be tested, how they're gonna be supported in the field before they do it. And so X before UX really, it means design before you design, build oh, okay. before you build, okay. test before you test. And all of that is done in a virtual environment using this single source of data as you build the digital thread. So, so now is that, uh, I guess the, the X before you X, would that be the same terminology as a digital twin or is that something completely different? It's a, on a path to a digital twin. Um, the digital okay. twin, I, I kind of look at it as um, the holy grail of the gotcha. digital thread of digital transformation is because it is something that you're always driving towards. It is an objective, a goal, because okay. when you have a digital twin, which is a virtual representation of a product or process. Okay. And I always look at it as it could always be better. You're always, because you're always getting new information. You're always correlating data. So there should never, ever be an end state to a digital twin. But as you go and connect those pieces of a digital thread, then you're able to go and use that information to do things like X before X, 
Okay, so so it sounds kind of like uh, I mean, all this is based on probability, right? And making sure that you have the highest probability with respect to the the data that you have and how it represents reality, right? So from that perspective, right, when you say that you always have to continuously keep improving it, it, it that makes a lot of sense, right? Because you, it's you're never a hundred percent, yes, this is this is it. So you always are adding more information to improve or increase the probability or the percentage of, prob of that that this is exactly like reality because as soon as you as soon as you say it is guess what reality just changed right mm -hmm. because it's reality is always changing is that is that is that about right or? you know it's fascinating this is an you know I, I i've never really thought of it exactly that way um okay. but probability is a very good word in this case is because one of the reasons why i like engineering so much is because it's always evolving and we're always getting smarter and you know you talk about probabilities and you know i hate to for for the business that i i just spent 39 years is that from an faa perspective um you know there are probabilities that there's going to be an accident and you know and, and which is unfortunate yeah, yeah. And, but in, in it but if for the faa if you're in a commercial airplane that probability is really really small um, there's lots of zeros, um, and, and that's why I feel very comfortable getting on commercial aircraft because it's a Same here. it's a it's a real lot of zeros um, that go in front of that probability, um, and, okay. and so the same thing applies as you're building this virtual representation of you know whether it be a toaster, whether it be you know the world's greatest helicopter, um, you know there's a lot of there's there's a lot of ways to look at it, but engineers should always look at things in terms of probabilities and recognize is, is that there's always variables. And this is one of the fascinating concepts about when you talk about digital threads and why digital transformation is such an exciting field is because there's always new information that's coming, no matter how mature a product can be, and being able to go and build upon that foundation because you're always, you know, there's new materials, there's new way of building things, there's new way of analyzing, there's more efficient ways of processing data. And, um, you know, and, and, and the interesting aspect about that, and, and this is, you know, something that is definitely worth mentioning is, is that I talk about toaster has tens of thousands of interfaces. Well, a helicopter can have, will have millions and tens of millions of interfaces. And any one of those is generating a lot of data. For example, when we do a flight test and we're collecting data, we're collecting terabytes of data on every single flight test. Now, wow. this is where things like machine learning and artificial intelligence come in because as we enter more into like this digital transformation, this digital thread, the amount of data and information that we're collecting is even if you go back 10 years ago, was beyond the capability of, of us or anyone to be able to actually store and process this data. And this is why, again, why it's just so exciting time in, in here because part of the challenge or the opportunity is, well, what's the right data? And I don't need to have all those terabytes of data, but I need to have the right data. And how do I find the right data? Um, well, that's where things like machine learning and artificial intelligence come in because they can they can interrogate that data 
to be able to understand what makes the most sense. Again, Tan, to your point is that all this is matured through correlating data to understand and then building this model of re-educating the algorithms and the analysis that we've created. And and typically those models that, you know, once once the AI or ML or the machine learning uh, creates that model from all that data, then technically to store that model, it's a lot, it's probably a smaller ask than, you know, the original data uh, to begin with. So you're getting, you're, you're, you're getting reductions in costs for, for data storage, right? And then you're still able to add new data without having to, you know, keep keep all keep this like humongous repository of of information that's uh that that's very profound so so as as you mentioned that the 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 helicopter is millions upon you know probably millions of 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 different pieces and 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 uh, data bytes so it's a system of systems right is is that is that is that a proper term to say like it's just like the toaster is a system is is a component or it could be its own system i guess right yeah. whereas the helicopter is kind of like a system of systems so you have that multiplicative effect based off of the number of data points that you would have in a toaster or is that is that appropriate or not well it actually is even more fun than that um so okay. you know the interesting thing is is that yes there's complexity in different systems um, but in the end, if you were to ask um, like a military customer, um, okay. uh, what they would say is that a helicopter is one node in an overall system, you know, system of systems. Um, okay. It's a node similar to what like a tank would be or um, a ship or satellite uh, radar, you know, all those would be considered parts of a system, a system of systems. And so okay. there are levels and, and, and that's actually, if you take it there, Tan, is that Ultimately, there is all that connection between how all these different systems work, and um, gotcha. you know, and that's all data, and that lends itself to many of the tools we talked about. And, and I think a, a phenomenal example in terms of digital transformation, and you take a system like a helicopter, okay. is well, how do you support it in battle? How do you support it in the field? Um, you know, the same thing would apply to a toaster, but it would be, how do you support it in your kitchen? Um, and what ends up happening is you end up getting information. So it's part of this node and the helicopter is out, it's doing a mission. Something happens to the helicopter. Um, it has to go down, um, you know, today or in the past, uh, that helicopter would have to be taken to somewhere where it could be evaluated, um, it, an assessment made on what was wrong. Parts would have to be ordered, built, um, put out, sent back out to the field maybe, and then be able to go and, and repair that helicopter. Um, you know, if it's performing, if it's in a big mission or something, boy, that really hurts. But with a digital thread that is enabled through this single source of truth, um, okay. there's sensors on that helicopter and there's a pedigree or there's a history to every part that went into that helicopter. So there's there's this virtual representation of that specific helicopter that tells you its vibration characteristics, it tells you the life on the parts, um, it tells you how the parts were made. And so you, you get all this, and again, what is the right information? That's part of the fun of this journey. But if so, that helicopter were to ha go down, 
you could have real-time assessment based on the sensors and information that you get from that platform. And say there's a, a damaged part, you know, a damaged, you know, frame or something. Um, today, you could get that information back to someone who could additively manufacture a part that is tuned to that specific helicopter to make sure that not only will it allow it to continue operating, you know, with a way to go and do it in the field, but also make sure that it's not changing its vibration characteristics, which is really important for helicopters. Um, you know, there's a lot of tuning from a vibration standpoint. That's just sure. one, that's just one example. All of that theoretically, not only theoretical, I mean, the, the science is there, the ability to do it is there. Um, that can be done through a digital thread and digital transformation. Okay. So let me just, I just let me try to uh, see if I can summarize this just a bit. So the digital transformation piece and the digital thread. So if, so if I can use, I'm going to use a different analogy. I'm going to actually use a clothing analogy if I can, since, uh, you know, it takes different pieces of thread to create my, uh, my, my, my clothing, my piece of clothing. And so can, and based off of what you said with the military thinking that the helicopter is technically, you know, a node in their uh, larger system, right? It basically comes down to perspective. So is the helicopter a thread onto itself or is it multiple threads? Wow in this digital transformation uh, universe that, that we have here? Wow, yeah, very perceptive. Um, so there's probably, you know, you could think of it as one overall thread that you end up having the potential for an infinite number of threads within it. That's one way to look at it. So, okay. you know, going back to the toaster example, if you think about, you know, threads of cloth that feed into, um, you know, what does it take to virtually represent a toaster? And you think about those threads could be something like, um, you know, the physical characteristics of the toaster so that it can fit on your counter in the kitchen. Um, thread, you know, it has to be manufacturing. So that's, there's, a, there's a build thread. Um, there's a chemistry, actually, yeah, chemistry thread that talks okay. about how you heat the bread, which really what the smell, the way it's charred, the way, you know, ultimately that's amino acids, the sugars that are in the bread that give it that smell, that give it the right level of heating, you know, that that's a thread. Um, okay. You know, then you take it to another level, then there's like, well, how does the, how does a toaster be able to be sustained or serve in, in, in the kitchen? Um, and what is the right life? Um, you know, should the toasters last two years? Should it last 10 years? Should it last 20 years? Um, because there's a price point that goes. So there's a whole nother thread that goes into the type of materials and, and the way it's serviced and the way it's used um, that be able to go and, and determine that. And so all those come together. But that's, so that's one way to look at it is each of those kind of like physics models kind of thing and all those okay. can be modeled. But then there's another way to look at these individual threads and ultimately that's going to be you know i think the way you look at it for how it works in overall environment and, and that's where things like the helicopter um you know has that additional level of obviously 
orders of magnitude level more complexity when you start to look at the different threads. And we typically look at it from a build thread. Uh, we look at it from a test thread. We look at it from a sustain, you know, sustainment or you know, support thread. And okay. if you were to look at just one of those threads, like the build thread, so you look at the build thread and you say, okay, that's the objective. I want to build something. I want to iterate on it. I want to make it as easy to build and assemble as possible. But it still has to be connected, just like just like a shirt and all the threads, you know, sure. you know, are connected. The build thread will take the design. It'll take the requirements that are required in the design, and then because it's from a single source of truth, because it's part of this digital fabric, um, we do things like virtual, we use virtual reality, you know, the same thing with the goggles that you see, and we're able to do simulations of that build thread, um, okay. you know, to, to basically say, okay, here are the different designs. Um, how would I build, how would I assemble each one of these? And you start to look at other, you know, like ergonomics, you start to look at cost, you start to look at producibility. So you can really get an appreciation for the complexity and how there are many different threads that go into, you know, any, any, even the simplest product. Does that help? Yeah, no, certainly, Mike. That that definitely helps. So, I mean, we are uh, we're, we're coming down to the uh, to the to time. Uh, so, what what I would like to do, and if this if this is okay with you, is you know, I know we we, we still have a as you mentioned, digital twin is the is the holy grail, and that's kind of like the end state. But we still have you know some time. We we still have a couple steps that we need to get to. Uh, until we get to that digital twin. So if it's okay with you, I would like to, to have you come back and then we can discuss those steps to get to that 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 digital twin, right? The the holy grail piece of it, uh, which would kind of just build upon this 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 present discussion uh, that we've had uh, thus far. Is that is of that course, okay to of you? course, yeah. And and you did phenomenal leading the discussion. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot there. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I appreciate that, but I mean, I think uh, it, it's very it's it's easy to lead a discussion when you have a, a great a great person that uh, that's answering the questions and uh, and is so insightful in in uh, in, in those uh, responses as well. So I I, I give you uh, more of the credit than than myself. So thank you for that. Thank you. So so folks, uh, we we are we'll plan to uh, try to have a a part two uh, because there's much, much more to discuss. And, and there may even need to be a part three because uh, this is not uh, something that is uh, easily digestible. And uh, it really requires um, a good understanding of, of, uh, of how the manufacturing process uh, really comes to be. So, so with that, I would like to, uh, to thank our guest, uh, Mike Ambrose. Thank you, Mike, for your time today. Thank you, Tim. For those living in Connecticut and others tuning in from outside our state, we enjoyed learning about your digital transformation and its use at Sikorsky. I encourage you to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or YouTube, and visit the Academy's website at www.ctcase.org. That's www.ctcase.org. To learn more about our guests, read the episode transcript, and access additional resources.
as well as to sign up for the case bulletin. Thank you again, Mike Ambrose, and we look forward to uh, part two of this discussion. Thank you.